Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the ways in which you encourage, inspire, and challenge us through your word, and we pray that you do so afresh this morning. Amen. I wonder how you feel about the subject of rest. Are you the kind of person who loves to rest, who longs for rest, who lives for the weekend or lives for retirement or whatever it may be that's in the future? Are you the kind of person who hates to rest? You just cannot stop. You cannot be still. And even if you have a moment to yourself, you're doing something with that moment. Are you the kind of person who loves the idea of rest, uh, but the reality never becomes uh, something that you see? Are you the kind of person who feels guilty when you rest? The kind of person who feels that you shouldn't be resting because if you do, you'll be letting other people down. Are you the kind of person who, when left to rest, are left with your thoughts and don't know what to think and your mind wanders all over the place? The reality is I could do a theological sermon on rest. And um, I, I'd planned one. <laughs> but forget it, because the reality is we need to be a people of rest. Because it's one of the things we were created to be. And with this, this terrible, terrible guilt and shame that goes with rest because we feel like we should be doing things all of the time. And there's this culture that we have created in our society where rest has become countercultural. Where rest has become this thing that, that actually, if you want to make it in life, you haven't got time for. I have sat on trains... Um, I've thankfully never been a commuter, and I thank God every day for that, and I do pray for you if you are one. Um, but I have been on trains in the morning, traveling to much nicer things uh, early in the morning, and I have seen countless people on the trains, laptops open, typing away, working on their way to work, arriving at work at 9 o'clock, working through the day, possibly even shortening their lunch break, getting back on the train at 5 o'clock, laptop is open again, they continue to work until they get home, and they've suddenly worked a 12-hour day whilst only being paid for eight. And that's the culture that just seems to be around us at the moment. And so the idea, the concept of rest just seems so alien. And seems like if we are going to take time to rest, then we're going to have to miss out on other things. And as I talk about rest this morning, I could talk about the importance of having a good day off every week and making sure that you keep it. I could talk about the importance of going to bed at a sensible time and getting up at a sensible time. I could give you lots of scientific things about the fact that it takes about 20 to 40 minutes for your brain to switch off after seeing a screen, so don't go on your iPad before, you know, 10 o'clock or whatever. But I'm not going to do all that stuff, as important as it is. I could talk about Sabbath rest and, and focus particularly on uh, the Sabbath day that Jesus uh, commanded or ensures that, we, that it's in the Ten Commandments. I think it's by far easily the commandment we most often break. Uh, we don't often murder people, but we do tend to break the Sabbath and not feel that it's a problem when actually it is one of the Ten Commandments. It's a clearly a very important thing, something that Jesus modelled himself and spoke very much into, although he changed people's understanding of the Sabbath, I will agree. So I'm not going to talk about that. I will, however, say that we're made in the image of God, 
And God, who doesn't need to rest, chose to rest. Uh, and I think that says something in itself. What I want to talk about instead is about intentionally seeking to rest in the presence of Jesus in our lives. Because I think there's no higher call. Because I think how we spend our rest times and how we view our rest times says something about what's important to us. Because if we spend our rest times worrying about how we're going to let other people down, then that says something about us. If we spend our rest time always doing something because we feel we should do something, then that says something about us. If we spend our rest time questioning things, and that says something about us. But if our rest time is spent in the presence of the one we were created to spend present in time with, then that says something too. And to do this, I want to use this story we have from Mark chapter 6. Uh, now, the, the story, uh, the, the Psalm 23 that we heard that speaks of the good shepherd who leads us behind, beside still waters and, uh, and green pastures, I think that, that's a passage that speaks very much for itself. It's this beautiful picture of rest, isn't it? Uh, but I want to speak particularly about the words in that where it says, He leads me. Because I want to look at the rest that the disciples go on in Mark chapter 6 and what led them to that rest. I want us to look very briefly just at the context of this passage, just in the first chapters of Mark. The disciples have decided to give up everything that they know in order to follow Jesus. They are following this Messiah figure, this Jesus, uh, and they are seeing him do incredible things. Every day he is teaching them something amazing. Every day their brains are being filled with more and more incredible stuff as he's opening up scriptures to them, as he's teaching them in parables, as he's showing them more of the kingdom, and their eyes are just becoming open to the reality that is the kingdom of God on earth in the presence of Jesus. And they are growing in their faith uh, day by day. They are seeing Jesus do incredible things and then explaining to the crowds what Jesus is doing. They are uh, doing those things themselves. Uh, just before this in chapter 6, they've been sent out on mission by Jesus uh, to go and do the things that they've seen Jesus do. They are seeing healings, they are seeing miracles, they are seeing incredible things, they are doing incredible teaching, and then Immediately before this passage, someone they look up to, someone they respect, someone they care about has just died, just been beheaded. John the Baptist, the person who led them to Jesus in the first place, is no longer with them. And as we read in verse 29, the disciples are the people that buried John the Baptist, who put him in a tomb. So the disciples are exhausted. They are tired. They are emotionally spent. They are grieving. They are suffering the loss of a friend. They are absolutely wiped out, I'd say. Excited by everything that God is doing, and by all means could keep going and live on and ride on the wave of those incredible miracles and healings, and they could go for weeks if they really had to. But what Jesus does in that moment is he turns to them and says, Stop. Come away with me and rest a while. And what I see in those words is incredible compassion for the person. Not what they're doing, 
not how they're doing. He doesn't want to give them an appraisal of what they're doing. He doesn't want to say, oh, well done, this is brilliant, let's just keep going. He says, come away with me and rest a while. And I've misunderstood this passage for many years and only recently come to understand it. If we can have it up, Paul, you're right to stick up the Mark 6 passage. And this is where my confusion comes, has come. Jesus says, come away with me and rest a while. They get into a boat, they begin to sail across the lake. And the word that has confused me for many years, I think, is this word, but. Because what that word suggests is actually, but what happened is they got in the boat, they saw the crowd was running around to meet them, so they sailed across the lake and they continued to minister and they negated their rest. They just didn't have time. There was too much to do, so they didn't bother resting. I think that's rubbish. I have every reason to believe that they would have taken their time getting across that lake, possibly even would have stopped right in the middle, rested in the boat with Jesus, sat with him a while, seen the crowd gathering around them, but I think Jesus would have told them to just hold back a minute. Because right now, if you're going to minister effectively to them, you need to minister effectively first to yourselves. And get the rest that you deserve and the rest that you need and remind yourself who Jesus is in that moment. Jesus is not the ministry. Jesus is the relationship, the person that we are called into relationship with. And in that moment... Yes, they are resting physically, for sure. They are getting the rest they need. I'm willing to say a couple of them probably had a little nap. The lake was their comfort zone. It was the place they knew better than anywhere else, most of them. And so they could rest in the knowledge that they are with Jesus. I believe Jesus rested too. And then I think, from the verses that we read, I think actually he went on ahead of them, because what it actually says is then when Jesus came ashore, he had compassion on the crowd and began to minister to them, for they were a shepherd without a sheep. And then later, when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, these people have not eaten. What I think happens there is, when they say, these people have not eaten is I think they're saying, we've just learned a valuable lesson here, Jesus. These people need rest too. And so yes, they are resting physically, but there's something significant about resting with him. And I want you to think for a moment about the week ahead in your diary. What does it look like? What are the things that you have to get done? What are the things that need to be done? What are the things that other people are relying upon? What are the things that you have planned to do, hope to do, dream to do, long to do? And where does your time with Jesus fit in that? Because I will stand here as someone who has been guilty many times of looking at my diary and saying, when I've done all of those things... I will spend some time with Jesus. With whatever time is left, I'll seek some quiet time. How backwards is that? With whatever time is left? This is Jesus we're talking about. 
the one who's worthy of everything we could possibly give him, and we think he deserves whatever time is left sometimes. I'm speaking of myself. I hope I'm not speaking of many people here, but my hunch is I probably am. Jesus is and should be our absolute priority. And the thing is, we can look at the diary and we can say, well, actually, the things I have planned in the diary are for Jesus. It's ministry stuff. It's all stuff for God. It's stuff for the church. It's all good stuff. Well, yes, it probably is all good stuff. But it does, if it doesn't come from that place of rest, then something's going to go, is going to be wrong. Something's wrong in your priorities. I will say that this sermon has fallen in the middle of the busiest three weeks I've had since I got here. Last week was very full. Next week is looking horrendous. And then the end of May, let's just not talk about that right now. But I had to make an intentional decision last Sunday to sit down with my diary and put in my time with Jesus before anything else got there. And I had to make an intentional decision to stick to that when I put it in despite temptations to do other things that came across my desk. And I sought time with God this week. And I want to talk about the difference between the types of rest that I'm talking about, because there is physical rest which is important. But there is the rest for Jesus that is about surrendering everything over to him for that moment. I went for that time, I sat actually by the lake around the corner here, with no agenda. No plan, no desire other than just to be with Jesus. And I had an hour with him there, and uh, it wasn't the easiest of hours. It was peaceful, it was restful, it was beautiful on Wednesday. The sun was shining, the lake was stunning, Uh, God spoke in many ways and it was really encouraging. But I also came away with lots of ideas and lots of vision and lots of exciting things. And I suddenly realized, oh, I need to do this more often. (laughs) Because when I do, I'm gaining a different perspective with God. A different perspective about what he's called me to, about what's important, about what other things I should be focusing on rather than the things I have perhaps been focusing on. And I found that when I found some rest time later in the week, that actually it was incredible because it was building on something that I'd had earlier in the week that I hadn't done enough before, if that kind of makes sense. I'm probably not making much sense here, but all I'm saying is that there's benefit to resting in Jesus. It seriously helps you find the perspective. There's, There's no better place to view your circumstances, your life, the world, what's going on around us. There is no better place to view those things than from the lap of your Father God. There is nowhere better. I once heard someone say that um, if you're a person who has to-do lists, I might have said this before because I think it's too important not to. Uh, I don't know if you're a person of to-do lists or not. Um, but if you are, the very top of your top item on your to-do list should be to know Jesus better and to love God more. And if you get to the end of the day and that has not been ticked off, then the balance has gone wrong somewhere. The balance of your day somewhere has not been what it should be because 
What we're really talking about here is surrender. A word we hate in this society. Surrendering our lives in a moment or in a day or in a week or in however long Jesus calls you to do so. Surrendering that moment to him and saying this is about me and Jesus. Because that's the very relationship you were created for. It was the very thing you were made for. That relationship is the very thing that Jesus died for and rose again for. That very relationship is the exact thing that the Holy Spirit comes to help us with. He is the number one in our lives. Nothing in your diary will ever be more important than him, even if it's stuff for him. And it's in that place we find true identity, true perspective, rest for our souls and all the things that is promised in Psalm 23. But ultimately it's where we find him. Now listen carefully. His presence is always with us. You don't have to be a person to intentionally seek his presence. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. His presence is always with us. But just like any spouse or any child in your real life, in your own life, he deserves quality time. He deserves your undivided attention sometimes. Now, we're not monks. We're not living in a monastery. We're living in the world where his kingdom is here on earth as in heaven. And we live in the presence of God. But I know in my life, the times when I intentionally make the decision to rest in that presence, things happen. Because I move closer. And as I draw near to him, he draws near to me because he's promised he would every time. Have I got it right? No. Have I perfected rest? I wish. But what I do know is that I have learned that this is a high call on our lives and comes before any ministry we may do. I once heard, I was praying for somebody once and I, it was somebody who struggled to rest and particularly struggled to receive because they felt guilty because they should be doing things for other people and no one should be doing anything for them, um, let alone praying for them and, and praying for God to, to bless them or whatever it was. And I just had this real sense of God saying, by being selfish sometimes, you can be selfless for longer. By being selfish with God and receiving more of God, because there's always more of God to give, you can do more for other people better. You can be more effective. You can be more encouraging. You can be more God-led in the things that you do. You can reflect him more. You reflect the fruits of the Spirit more as you spend time with him. He is, I think, our highest call. I know he's our highest call, but I mean, rest with him, I think, is a high call that we seem to have forgotten in this culture. What does it look like? Well, I'm going to share something I've stolen from somebody else. Divert daily. Every day, 
take some time, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is that works for you, where you're just relaxing with Jesus in whatever way feeds you. Everybody's different. Everybody connects with God in different ways. For some, it may be just to get out in the garden for 20 minutes doing nothing. For some, it may be to go for a walk. For others, it may be to read or to pray or maybe even to pray with others if you're someone who struggles with solitude. It may be to just sit and be quiet and do nothing. It may be to use set prayers. It may be whatever it is that connects you with Jesus to do it daily. Secondly, withdraw weekly. I mentioned at the beginning that Sabbath rest is important. It is a command of God that we take rest with Jesus. But what I'm talking about is how we use that day is about making him the priority for that day, before and above all else. And then abandon annually. Every year, take some time to retreat from it all and just be with him. You may have to sacrifice some of your holiday time for that. (laughs) You may have to sacrifice something else for that, but it's really important. Maybe that's to go on a retreat with two or three friends, a prayer triplet, a home group, or whatever it may be, but every year to take some intentional time to disconnect completely from the world and focus on Jesus. I pray that as a church, as individuals who make up the church, that we will feel comfortable as a people of rest, and that everything we do will come from a place of rest. Someone once said to me, as I crashed into a holiday once, uh, having had a very busy season, you have to ask yourself the question, are you resting from work, or are you working from rest? I want us to be a church who work from rest. Yes, there is ministry to be done. Yes, there are souls to be saved. Yes, there are things we do as a church that we need to do for our community. But they come from rest. Come from that place of being assured of who we are in him. And who he is in us. And so as we seek to be that people... May we know Jesus better and love God more. Amen.